Iowa's News Now Sports has your all-access pass to all things Hawkeyes. This is Eye on the Hawks, sponsored by University of Iowa Healthcare. Hannah, you were one point away from the program record. And on the last play, it seemed like you weren't really looking for the ball. Did, one, did you know that you were that close to the program record? And, and did you want the ball at that in that last play? <laughs> no, I didn't know. And, uh, no. <laughs> now that you know, did you want it now? <laughs> yeah, let's go back. <laughs> Kyle Huseman made the point last night where if she would have made a three-pointer on that last possession... Hawkeye fans would have stormed the court. <laughs> a minute left. We're going, baby. Uh, welcome to the Eye on the Hawks podcast. I'm Owen Sebring. We have Curtis Fader and Mike Howell with us today to talk. The scoring record, the scoring record that nobody anticipated coming, but today everybody's going to be talking about. Hannah Stolke breaks the Carver Hawkeye Arena scoring record. Most points ever scored in the building by any man or woman Hawkeye player. 47 points for Hannah Stolke, a sophomore out of Cedar Rapids, Washington. Uh, one of the most impressive performances we've ever seen out of anybody in front of a Carver crowd and barely could get it in the news last night because that game ended at about 10.25. Yeah, <laughs> I think better Big Ten Network. It was 9 o'clock Eastern. I think it was more of the refs, the, the 31 fouls or 32 foul, free throws, Lisa Bluter said, uh, in the fourth quarter. Um, Sorry, continue, Mike. Oh, no, just like that. They, they called it so tight, and maybe it was because the girls on both teams were getting a little tired towards the end and, and doing a little more hand-checking, but... Like, just let the two last few minutes play out. Uh, Penn State committed a foul with, like, nine seconds left, down 16. I'm like, girls, <laughs> let's get out of here. Uh, three Carver records were set last night. One, of course, was Hannah's 47 points. Uh, Caitlin Clark tied a Carver record with her, was it 15 assists? Mm-hmm. 71 free throws attempted last night by both teams. That, too, is a Carver Hawkeye Arena record. The fouls were out of control, <laughs> and the officiating was uh, not great. I know it's the stereotype that Hawkeye fans slash media are going to be talking about the refs and complaining about it, but it's not a stereotype type if it's true. It was just rough last night. I mean, it it, it never mattered because, especially after the first quarter, the game never felt like it was all that close. But still, like you know, Sid Falter's last two fouls just felt like, what are you even talking yeah. about? And Kylie Fierbach had a late foul where it's like two seconds after the contact happened, they called it. I mean, it was just not a pretty yeah. night for the officials. There was a time where I looked over at Jan Jensen just was <laughs> going like this. You never see her flummox so much, but it was wild. College basketball in general is just sometimes you watch a game and it's just so inconsistent because you'll watch a game and the refs will let, you know, anyone just bang down low and – with, with you know no restrictions and then other games they call it so tight and the worst part about it is if it's inconsistent in a game because like the first half was fine the flow was fine and then that fourth quarter is just like dude this game's like 15 points like stop yeah, you know yeah. swallow the whistle yeah. I was actually kind of surprised I don't know if you two were that the starters were in so late hmm. well I guys? actually it was a 10 point game with four and a half minutes left and with the way Iowa has played sometimes, that lead can go away like that. Yeah. So I think it was good to have the starters in. With two minutes to go and up 18, you know, it, th- that's probably when I'd pull them. Especially but. with the way that um, Penn State was making three-pointers. I think Lisa Bluter made a point in a press conference that they average like nine three-pointers a game and made 10 in the first half, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they were making their shots last night. And so yeah. um, there was not much chance to take the foot off the gas until yeah. about 90 seconds maybe left in the game. Yeah. 
to add uh, to your point about the inconsistent referees, mm -hmm. uh, David Eichholt made a really good point on uh, Twitter last night about how one of the Penn State players got very frustrated, slammed the ball on the ground, bounced over her head. That's an automatic tech. Yep. Wasn't called. And he also added the quip like, well, thank God he didn't make a behind the she didn't make the behind the back <laughs> pass to the referee on the way to yeah. the huddle, you know? That that happened not too far from where I was sitting. I saw her slam the ball and the entire crowd just oh! <laughs> and she just happened to do it. It was weird because she like, you saw her like consider doing it, and then she did it like she very intentionally did it, and I I don't know if she was waiting until the refs turned around because you could see that both refs near her were looking in opposite directions, so nobody saw it, so they couldn't call it. But I don't know if she waited for that to happen. I had a I had a weird take in my head last night when I during that play. I was like, because she caught it afterwards. If she slams it and walks away, I think it's a T. Yeah. Since she caught it and then put it down, I think the ref was like, You're "Okay, I'll to give catch it to it you." On the up bounce, though. <laughs> no, I get yeah. it, but she she caught it when it came back down, and she didn't like slam it and walk away. Very, you know, semantic <laughs> argument, but that's just in my head was was what yeah. I thought. Which is a little. I mean, at the end of the day, not to get too deep into the weeds of rules and basketball, but it's like, how weird is it that slamming the ball down in frustration is an automatic technical foul? It's like. Somebody yeah. can't be frustrated and slam the ball. I mean, <laughs> I feel like you have to save the text for like whacking somebody. That's kind of yeah. where it's supposed to be enforced. So last night, um, the good news for the Hawkeye men's basketball team is that they got to uh, fill Carver Hawkeye Arena. All they had to do was be playing on the video screen while the women were warming up to, <laughs> to play in front of a sold-out Carver. Um, Ouch. But <laughs> the, where were you guys for that game last night? I mean, Mike, what were you doing? Were you watching Hannah's game? Yeah, I was just watching. I watched both games just yeah. on TV. Uh, what was what was it like watching that game on TV? I mean, what were the, the were the announcers picking up the feel of the game as it progressed, or so, what was that like on Big Ten Network? It, it was interesting because it was like the first time I've ever seen. They had a Caitlin Clark um, bug on the top left of the screen. Hmm. Like every time she scored, it was like this many points away from breaking the record, mm -hmm. and and then it would hang on for a while if they were on offense and. I've just never seen that for I don't I, you know I don't think I watched when Kelsey Plum broke the record I, I don't remember the last men's basketball player because he was the the one who was close to it last couple of years ago played at like Detroit Mercy or whatever it was and like um I just it was a weird vibe and then she had struggle shooting the ball mm -hmm. and then at the end of the game when Hannah Stolke was having like 40 45 then it got to 47 ready for that it was like Almost, I was getting chills just because she, you know, her big smile every time she'd get the ball and, and, and score and the crowd was going nuts and she chanting her name. It just was a special game. Hannah felt like, I feel like her impact is she's Hawkeye Faithful's little sister mm -hmm. that everyone wants to protect and see flourish and do well. <laughs> and when she was doing that and when she was smiling, like... Storm the court. We didn't. Yeah. We didn't upset anybody. Yeah. Storm the court. Anyway. I, I feel like when when there was something posted on Twitter about um, her receiving some negative feedback after missing some free throws against Ohio State, I feel like all of Hawkeye Twitter was like, "All right, let's bust some heads." <laughs> <laughs> like they were ready to riot for the sake of Hannah Stolke. Because she um, did have. Didn't she delete her Twitter or uh, Instagram account because yeah. of all the DM nasty DM she was getting? That's um, what. That's what her dad had said. Yeah. And. Uh, she even mentioned in the post game that she, when she was asked about her night, she's like, "Well, I still missed a lot of free throws," and then she's like, I, "But I can work on that tomorrow," you know, stuff like that. So she's really like a down to earth person. It's really cool to see, mm -hmm. and uh, all of Cedar Rapids is, is proud. And as much as I mean, I think that they, the, the Hawkeye fan base has embraced. 
I mean, they embrace everybody on this team. They love these girls. Uh, Kaylin especially, she is an Iowa girl, so they do love that about her. But Hannah being from Eastern Iowa, from Cedar Rapids, not, you know, maybe that four or five-star recruit that Caitlin was feels a little bit more like, yeah, this is our girl. Like like Curtis says, this is our little sister that we saw growing up. But um, yeah, the I was- The part about it too is her high, someone mentioned it in the post games, her high score, uh, her career high in high school was 44 points against Kennedy. Mm-hmm. So she scored more in college in a Big Ten game against a good Penn State team yep. uh, than she did in high school. And the yeah. team was clamoring for her when she had her own personal career high of 24. Mm-hmm. So the fact that she went even more than that is... Her career high was 24 before well, last night? it was 22. But when she broke it and got to 24, and, you know, they were going crazy. Wow. So her career high was 22 before last night? Yeah. So she more than doubles her career high. Yeah, wild. <laughs> and she beats Caitlin's career high, which is, what, 45, I think? Yeah. <laughs> she was one behind uh, the Spaniard, Megan Gustafson. <laughs> if you don't know, out in the audience, uh, Megan Gustafson is on the Spanish uh, Olympic team. If They're in qualifying right now, yeah. uh, but she's from Wisconsin. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Apparently, you can just sign as a free agent for any country right now. So, uh, guys, what, what country would you play for if you could play for anybody oh. i'm thinking of uh heading to the mozambique uh, uh handball team anybody else um well the thing is in soccer i was telling him this the other day it's the reverse anyone like the u.s has been raking in a bunch of you know players from europe and other countries that aren't getting the playing time on those elite rosters and they're getting citizenship and coming over yeah. here well, last night after the game, Lisa and Hannah were the only two that we had a chance to hear from. They were the only two that got it brought into the press conference. And um, so we got it as soft-spoken as Hannah Stolke is. She still got a lot of questions directed at her. Not a lot of long-winded <laughs> answers coming out of her. Um, but she and her coach had a chance to share about the special night that she was enjoying last night at Carver. We had so many good performances tonight, but I'll start with Hannah Stalky. Um, 85% shooting from the field. She had the second most points of anybody uh, in an Iowa jersey. Uh, Megan has had one more. She missed that one free throw. That, uh, she was but, tired. Yeah, yeah. You grew up coming to a lot of games here at Carver Hawkeye Arena for you to have a night like this where you uh, set the Carver Hawkeye Arena record for the women's basketball team. I mean, what's it mean for you to do this personally in a place where you watched a lot of games growing up? Yeah, I think it's really cool. Um, I remember watching Megan and seeing her score so many points and now like I'm the one that the little girls look up to and um, I think that that's just amazing. Caitlin's record is 46 when you got to 47. Did she look like she mentioned something to you? What'd she say? No, um, she just has a lot of confidence in me and she wants me to keep playing at my best. So um, she just keeps building me up. She did say you, I saw her kind of get in your face there as you walked out of the game. What'd she say to you in that? She said, I I expect you to do this every game. It's all it takes, easy enough. Um, yeah, you can see that moment on video, and if you're watching us on the YouTube channel, you can see some of the highlights from last night as well as uh, the celebration when Hannah was walking off, uh, uh, going to the bench at the very end of the game with about 30 seconds left. You could see Caitlin going like this. I, I think she was probably telling her, you were this close from breaking the Hawkeye scoring record, one point away. Um, and that's, I think... One of maybe the most interesting kind of dialogues last night um, between the media and with more so Lisa was about Caitlin's mentality right now because Kelsey Plum spoke up earlier this week about her own chase for the scoring record and she said that it was maybe the low point in her entire life just because her entire identity got 
uh, caught up in that and that it was just really hard for her because that was all that she got associated with. But both Lisa and whoever was asking the question to her were kind of like, Caitlin's still having the time of her life. She's still having a great time out there. I mean, we don't know what's going on internally, so it could be tough for her right now. But overall, she seems like she's just really having a good time right now. And um, that, and to that point, she was so happy for Hannah last night. I mean, as much as the Caitlin, I think, loves scoring, she loves reining in three-pointers. When it got to the second half and she could tell that this was Hannah's night, I think Caitlin was like, Let's just keep feeding the hot hand. Let's see what Hannah can do out there. I don't mind just scoring six points in the second half. I'll just keep dishing it out and see what Hannah can do out here. Yep. 15 assists. Clearly, something worked. Yeah. Um, might I, be Bluter and Jensen's favorite game in the past five-plus years, I think. Yeah. Having Stolke go off and Caitlin Clark go off 27-15 and Kate Martin doing the dirty work, getting 16 boards along with 16 points. And also, shout out, Sid Falter. Mm-hmm. Nine points, 10 rebounds, also three steals and three blocks. It was a complete dominant hustle performance from several Hawkeyes, which I think Lisa Bluter is going to love. I've got two points here. One, when's the last time Caitlin Clark was not in the postgame presser? I was shocked when I came in this morning and uh, I was cutting some, high, um, some sound bites and I was like, oh, there's nothing from Caitlin here. <laughs> two, um, there are some other game notes that I just thought it'd be important to mention and right now would be the perfect time. Molly Davis was sick, so she didn't play. She played like a couple minutes. Yeah. And yeah, then she the, started, but then yeah. yeah, didn't play after that. We, I was sitting there with my girlfriend, and we were like, "What? Where's Molly? She's one of my favorite players." So I was yeah. just like, "Where's she at? Where's Molly D?" Yeah. Um, and then the second one is um, Sharon Goodman. There was a cool anecdote told in the post game presser that Sharon's not played much in the last few few games, mm-hmm. and that I think Lisa said was just because she's waiting for a big to step up, and and no one has. Yeah. And she was going to go in for. Um, Hannah late, but she's like, I don't want to. I want her to score. I want Hannah to score fifty. <laughs> and like for a player that hasn't got a lot of playing time, to just be like, actually, you know, let the young girl cook. Like that was just a cool moment that I, I heard while I was watching the post game presser. Yeah, yeah. Credit to Sh- Sharon, who who I really like a lot. I mean, she's she's one of the fan favorites just because she's brilliant, um, one of the smartest girls in the Big Ten, if not the nation. Um, and she did really well earlier this season, but the coaches just kind of said that, or at least Coach Bluter said that she hasn't been happy with her production, I think. And so she's sitting at the very end of the bench mm-hmm. behind Kenise Johnson, the freshman, who's usually the last one to get into the game. Sharon's even to the left of her. So um, I, I still can't quite wrap my head around what's going on there. You saw A.J. Edgar get some quality first half minutes last night and get, get at least one bucket there in the first Eddie half. Eddie O'Grady had a couple good moments. Yep, that's true. But and I think with Hannah not getting into foul trouble at any point, I think that they didn't really need to – go too deep into the uh, post-presence on the bench. They were like, all right, Hannah's doing the scoring, and Penn State's fouling her, and they're getting themselves into foul trouble, so let's just yeah. keep keep Hannah in there. I'm very curious to see if uh, Kylie Fearbach's production can do a little bit better. I mean, I'm just looking at the box score right now, 19 minutes, no points. Obviously, other people were doing the damage, but, I mean, yeah. you'd want a little bit extra, especially on nights where Caitlin... I know it's 27, but when you're going against the the big juggernauts, if Caitlin quote unquote doesn't have it, mm-hmm. you would want Fearbach to maybe knock down a few more. Yeah, that's true. I don't true. know if we mentioned too, Kate Martin, 16 and 16, 16 yeah. rebounds <laughs> for a girl her height. It's I mean she does it almost every game, not yeah. 16, but gets a lot of rebounds. Maybe the quietest 16 and 16 performance that we're ever <laughs> going to hear. Like that was the third best performance all night, getting 16 points and 16 mm-hmm. rebounds. Really incredible night by her, and she's just been so consistent and reliable lately. Um, and a vocal leader. You, you got to credit this team's free throw shooting last night, too. Again, they shot 43 free throws. 
Hannah only went 13 for 21. Again, a few more makes, and she could have gotten 50 if she just went 16 for 21. Uh, nevertheless, I mean, Sid goes four for four from the line, and Kate was seven for eight. Uh, Caitlin was seven for seven. Caitlin McCabe, one for two. I mean, um, you got to like the free throw shooting. And to, going back to the point about Caitlin Clark just being happy to have Hannah score the points, I think that Caitlin recognizes, too, that there have been so many times this year where this team gets into close games and they just kind of like defer back to Caitlin. Let's let Caitlin fix it. Everybody just keep passing the ball to Caitlin. Let her shoot a few three-pointers and see what she can do. And I think that Caitlin maybe wants to help take the pressure off that a little bit and let this team realize that like, hey, other people can do this too. Like we can rely on Hannah Stolke in close game situations if we need to. Yeah, I remember there was a lot of moments in the second half where she beat her man, was driving, could easily have done a floater (laughs) or just gone right to the rim. And then she just kind of paused and looked around. Yeah. Who can I dish this to? And a lot of the time it was Hannah. Where's Hannah? Why she collected a bunch of buckets in addition to her just dominating in the post all night. Mm-hmm. But also you're wondering, does she want to break it for the Michigan game? Yeah, did, do, you, do we think that she uh, took her foot off the gas a little bit? Let me put my tinfoil hat on. Um, <laughs> I mean, she's like, oh, I dropped 21 in the first half. Listen, she, she should have had 40 against Maryland. She missed a, a layup yeah. um, on the last one of the last plays of the game. She can drop 40 at Nebraska. I know Nebraska's better than Maryland. Mm-hmm. Um, Nebraska's a good team, and, and they really want to beat Iowa. There's a lot of dislike there. Mm-hmm. Um, one knock on Caitlin. <laughs> One knock on Caitlin is the turnovers, but I think the way she plays, she had 12 turnovers last night. Yep. The way she, the passes she tries to make is really high risk, high reward, and mm-hmm. that's why you see her total. She was trying to make a lot of high, like highlight passes last night. Yeah, she and made half of them, missed <laughs> half of them, and that's what uh, creates those turnovers. Um, it's not like she's dribbling the ball off her foot out of bounds and stuff like that. She's trying yeah. to make like thread the needle and be like, you know. Um, John Elway or someone out there. <laughs> well, she also cleaned it up in because she had nine in the first half. Yeah. So if twelve's the total, she only had three in the second half. Which... And I think even like maybe six of those were in the first quarter. I mean, she had a lot in the first quarter. So yeah, yeah, even though that was a very ugly night for turnovers, season high of twelve. Her previous season high was nine against Minnesota. It looks like I'd be curious to look back each All the haters are going to be like, is that a triple-double? Oh, I know a certain restaurant owner in Iowa City who uh, had some (laughs) commentary about it last night. Um, But, yeah, I don't know how it looked again on TV, but, I mean, there were just some passes where Penn State was just getting – they had, to their credit, were playing some great defense for a while, just had active hands. Caitlin was trying to make a pass. They'd just get a little bit of a tip ball, and then it would just kind of float up into the air, and then Mm -hmm. Penn State would come down with it. So, um, you know, a turnover is a turnover, so not saying that they weren't – uh, well-earned on Caitlin's part, but it was just a little bit of a different game where um, her passes weren't quite as tight as sometimes they normally are. And uh, also, sometimes the people didn't that she was passing to didn't know it was coming. Yeah. And sometimes they just wouldn't collect it. And you could also see it on her face. She got a little frustrated, especially early on. And I think that's where a lot of those terrible rumors come out about it because you'll see her just... Yeah, you know, like just Get shrug frustrated. and do stuff like that. But I mean, that's just part of who she is—just playing with her heart on her sleeve. But she yeah. had eleven turnovers against Northwestern as a sophomore. Um, by the way, we we were kind of curious about this. I was asking in the game, like, when's the last time Caitlin was not the leading scorer for this team? You'd have to go back to early November of her junior year, twenty twenty-two. Right, Monica Sinano um, led the team in points. Um, 
and that was that, the last time that that is an insane stat. I know this. That's kind of how the offense ticks, you know. Yeah. But with it being more than a year, I was like, when the game ended, I was like, I wonder if anyone this year has been the leading scorer other than Caitlin, yeah. and and hasn't. But that's throughout the entire NCAA tournament, Big Ten tournament. Um, you know, there's there's some criticism online too about her just jacking up shots left and right. While she does shoot a lot of, that's how the offense rolls. Mm-hmm. But to be so consistent, to lead scoring for more than a calendar year, <laughs> is unthinkable, really. Yeah. Like I, what other? I I guess I don't know. I can't say like what other team would do that because I'm sure Kelsey Plum probably did that and Pete Maravich probably <laughs> did that back in the day. But not many people could do that same. I offense. really wanted Caitlin to score another three pointer because I'm very curious. The last time there was two thirty plus point scores. Hmm. In a game, yeah, for the same team, she yeah. was close. Could could have been Caitlin and Monica. Maybe they did that at some point, but um, yeah, certainly not with uh, Caitlin not being the leading scorer. Um, we uh, confirmed that was a career high with turnovers. She's, she's had three games where she hit double digits in turnovers, but um, that twelve is her career high. Great um, game to have it though. <laughs> yeah, why not? Um, still made fifteen assists, um, and we didn't hear from her last night. I mean, my theory, maybe I'm giving too much credit to Caitlin, but I, I think that this could be the case that she was not in the press room afterwards because I feel like she knows every time she goes into the press room that. 75% of the questions are going to be about her, if not more. And even last night after Hannah's performance, it was still all going to be towards Caitlin. And so I think that she wanted Hannah to have her moment to shine, to be able to come in and have all the questions directed at her so that she could have her moment in the sun to celebrate that amazing performance last night. Maybe I'm, you know, giving Caitlin a little bit too much credit. I, I think you're right on. I mean, like watching the, I would say there were at least five questions to Lisa about Caitlin's record, yeah. maybe even more. And you can tell, like, I don't think she's the person to get annoyed at stuff, but she's like, yeah. You know, I'd rather win than, you know, she's going to do it sometime. I don't care when it happens is basically summarize what she said. Because yeah. um, I know one person asked her, would you rather have it on Sunday national TV against Nebraska or on Peacock at home against Michigan? <laughs> it's like, yeah. I don't think, you know. Twitter's still going to post about it regardless. <laughs> yeah. And and she said she even gave an honest answer about yeah. that, that she wants it to come at home next Thursday. And I mean, clarifying that if she needs to score that against Nebraska, she will let her score that point if it's close game in the fourth quarter. But um, she admits, and I'm sure Caitlin would even admit that she'd rather come at home if uh, if you have your druthers about it. Um, but yeah, we still did see a lot of questions to Lisa about Caitlin's performance and um, where she's at in history right now. So um, let's hear from Lisa Bluter, uh, some of her commentary about Caitlin Clark. I'm so pleased with all of them, but you know, Caitlin again had some amazing assists. I mean, running the floor, Hannah was a, was incredible running the floor. Um, so I mean, and, and we just have people stepping up, like you know, I mean, Addie went in and did some good things. Sid did some good things. Um, you know, Gabby had a big three for us. Um, but it's really good to see us be able to have contributions from other people, other than just Caitlin. Oh, her legacy. I mean, obviously, when you're you know, I fully intend that she will be the leading scorer of all time. I mean, that's amazing. But I think people are going to remember her not only for her scoring, but her passing. I mean, she's almost reached a thousand assists. I think there's only five other players in the ever that it, that's that they've accomplished that. So the being an all around player like that is what's amazing. But I also think the the way the specialness of the way she scores, the logo threes, people are going to remember that. Like it's just unique. And uh 
But I also think people will remember how she's elevated our game, how she has been a role model for all these kids that love to watch her play, um, and how she's just brought an excitement to women's basketball like no other. There's so many things that impress everybody about Caitlin, but her consistency is off the charts. I mean, for her to do this day after day, night after night, sold out arenas, um, chasing records, for her to be this consistent is incredible. Um, uh, yeah, I just, I, everybody has a bad night, right? We all have bad nights. Caitlin doesn't have any bad nights. And that, that's a point that I think I've pointed out about Caitlin as well, is that these crowds come out to see her each and every night, and she always delivers. There's never a night where it's like, ah, she only scored eight points and had a couple assists tonight. It's like, there's something special that she's going to give the crowd every night. Even last night when it was Hannah's night, and by the way, Iowa, uh, the Iowa-Penn State game still led Center last night, um, but we got to hear Center talk a lot about Hannah Stolke. They still showed Caitlin's four three-pointers, but got a chance to give Hannah the national spotlight. And ESPN's moment. like, who's Hannah Stolke? Yeah, don't ask Gus Johnson about the pronunciation. Um, <laughs> Fun fact, uh, well, Owen's going to Nebraska on Super Bowl Sunday, mm -hmm. And Caitlin Clark is five assists away from getting a thousand assists. Yeah, so you'll probably see that. Yep, could see some her. milestones will be reached. Yeah, <laughs> at least one. We <laughs> could, so we could see her reach a thousand assists and reach. Lisa was right. There's five players with a thousand assists: Susie McConnell from Penn State, Andrea Nagy from FIU, Courtney Vandersloot, Gonzaga, Sabrina Inescu from Oregon, and Tina Friel from Pacific. Hmm. All have. A thousand. What's what's uh? You have those numbers pulled up right yeah. now. Yeah. Uh, what was the Penn State girls' total numbers? Uh, thirteen hundred and seven. That is not a Big Ten record that Caitlin will have, <laughs> unless yeah, I don't she comes so. back next year. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's uh, that's that long. was set in nineteen eighty-eight. Really? Wow, that's wild. What, uh, who else is in striking distance, or who could she pass? She is about less than a hundred from fifth. Oh, okay. And that's just three off of Sabrina Onescu. So she could be fourth, I think. I doubt she gets to... Courtney Vandersloot in third is 1,118. And Onescu has uh, 1,091. So she would need... That's probably too much too, right? 1,091? Uh, I would not say. So she has So she has 197 this year. Last year she had 327. So if she matches last year's total, that's 130 more. Oh, well then, yeah, she would get, she would get third. So could get up to or, third. Uh, could get up to fourth, I mean, sorry. This is almost like LeBron James getting the all-time scoring record and then also, like, passing up Magic oh, you get third too. assists list. Yeah. That isn't that. It's only, like, 20 behind Inescu um, or in front of. But uh, very quickly, the narrative turned from us pretty much assuming that this record was going to fall at Nebraska to uh, I, I'm a lot less sure about this record oh. <laughs> falling at Nebraska. Do, do we think that it's going to happen on Sunday? What do you guys think? Well... I think you got your answer in the Penn State game. We kind of brushed up on this where Kaylin might go into assist mode, and she did. Yeah. <laughs> she dropped 15 assists. I think she's still going to score a bunch, but when she starts to crack 30, she's going to be like, here, yeah. Gabby Marshall, take a three. Wouldn't be surprised. I don't think she has that in her mind at all. Well, like, it depends. If it's close, she's yeah, just going to uh, ball. That's Yeah, exactly. No, yeah. I know you're right there. I just If, if they needed to score 40 to win the game like that's all she cares about and that's yeah what i think is so great about her as a athlete is that it's all about the team that's the kind of culture they have too you know they were talking a lot about the culture they have and how even though caitlin's the star and i mean there's no doubt about that that uh she doesn't 
act like a prima donna. She might seem like it on the court towards a ref, mm-hmm. but off the court, <laughs> she's a goofball kind of mm-hmm. everyone's friend. So yeah. she doesn't act like she's better than anyone. Yeah. Um, off the court and stuff. If you're watching on the YouTube page, we've got this graphic. Is this running on the air or? Uh, I, uh, I'm going to put it on social later. Darren made it for us. Our promotion, Darren Fullerton, our promotions guy. Shout out. Hashtag nice. Caitlin Mania. So we've got those five assists away from 1,000 and 11 points away from 3,500 in her career. 3527, of course, the magic number that she's chasing right now. Um, yeah, they actually showed a graphic on Sports Center last night as well that Caitlin ranks third and fourth all-time in career average against one opponent. So Kelsey Plum and Jackie Stiles are one and two on that list, but Caitlin's career numbers against Nebraska and Michigan are tied for third on fourth on the list. She averaged 34.8 points against those two teams. Um, So, And those, coincidentally, are her next two opponents, Um, so Mm -hmm. we could see some big numbers fall against those teams. I, I think the... The big story on Sunday is going to be whether she's got a triple-double watch because they love to keep her in there if she's getting close at all to triple-doubles. And so it's like, say she has 38 points late in the game and she's got you know eight assists and nine rebounds, they might keep her in and then, okay, she gets fouled. <laughs> she's got to go to the line to shoot two free throws. I could see something like that happening where it almost gets forced upon her and she's got to knock those down from the line. Best or she case, could intentionally miss like Jordan Bohannon. Best case scenario, though, she breaks it at home next Thursday, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, Carver would go nuts. Mm-hmm. That would be just a nuts ticket to to try and buy in the secondary market. And um, there'd be some, I mean, Lisa said, they're probably not going to stop the game, but she might call a timeout. Yeah. So they will sell the game. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but that would be really cool to do it on the home court. But it almost, well, do you think it's cooler to do it on Nebraska's court, you know, <laughs> as like a, yeah. you know, rival? Caitlin would not mind doing it at Nebraska, I don't think. She's said it herself that that's like her favorite place to play outside of Carver. She loves dropping points on Pinnacle Bank Arena. You don't just walk into Pinnacle Bank, all right? <laughs> Sources say you're not just walking into Pinnacle Bank. Um, so that's going to be on Sunday on what? Uh, oh, that's it's on Fox. We, we got that game. Yeah, that's on Fox. Tune in um, to Fox and then Super Bowl that night. Um, so we, uh, we're going to be tracking it every single step of the way. Um, before we start wrapping things up, um, I mean, I don't know if we even need to mention the men's team. They stink and are not going to make the tournament unless they win the Big Ten tournament. So um, we can just yeah. <laughs> That was just point loss, though. I mean, they they had a lead in the second half yeah. and just ended up um, – and Penn State shot out yeah. of their minds, too. That like, game was kind of a microcosm of Iowa's season. They were trailing by eight at halftime. Then they looked really good, stormed back, took that lead, as Mike said, and then – Gave it away. It was tied in the clutch, and they faltered. How many times in the, this season have they led in the second half and then lost in the end? I mean, I feel like that just seems to be the, the story of their Big Ten schedule. Um, if you could flip some of them, like, just off the top of my head, you know, the Maryland game, they, they probably could have won. And there's a couple more out there that I can't remember. But this could be a bubble team if, if those wins actually materialize. And the one thing about it is they're – and it, it's been a thing throughout the Fran McCaffrey era. <clears throat> and I know they're a fun offensive team to watch, but the defense is just not there. It's like the opposite of the Iowa football team. Mm. Um, and when you go on the road and, you know, you're allowing, I don't know how many threes they hit, but it was a lot. Mm. Um, you're just not going to, a lot of times, come out victorious, yeah. even if you do take a late lead. I think a big thing happening today also is uh, men's wrestling facing against Penn. Everybody, it's Penn State week for all the winter programs. Oddly week. Penn State week. Now, I brought props to today's show. So, um, 
when uh, my older sister, her freshman year of college, she went to Iowa State um, before transferring to Iowa uh, to get a nursing degree um, her, for her last few years. But her one year at Iowa State was uh, 2002, 2003. And uh, before she left, she managed to, to get me one of these bad boys. Um, if you're watching on the YouTube stream, again, you can, you can see the prop work. Mike, are you able to zoom in on this at all? Yeah, I'll check. It's a little finicky, so it might just zoom in and... Uh, Should I bring it up to the camera? So this uh, is a Wheaties box um, that had us, that, that season that she was at uh, at Iowa State was the year that Cale Sanderson finished off his perfect career with Cyclones. So I got an autograph on a Wheaties box to Owen. Go Cyclones! Cale Sanderson with 159-0 on there. Anyway, this has just been a memento that's been in my childhood bedroom for all these years, and so I always think about that whenever Iowa and Penn State face off that uh, Cale Sanderson comes back to town after being kind of a Iowa yeah. folk hero for so many years. And also a previous Iowa State logo that a lot of Cyclone fans are begging to come back. <laughs> that's true. Well, I do love that old logo. That thing's a beauty. Um, the, yeah, the wrestling team tonight against Penn State, I don't know if I've ever seen them have as bad of a dual performance as they had last week against Michigan. I mean, they just absolutely got wrecked by the Wolverines on the road. Michigan's a good team, but Iowa at number two with the way that they performed against some other top 10 teams, I just am completely mystified by what happened on the road against I'm Michigan. I'm more mystified at Real Woods losing. Yeah. Uh, I remember speaking to him at Media Day and telling him like, oh yeah, you had a pretty good year yesterday, pretty good year last year, you were runner up. He's like, no, I didn't, I lost. I lost last year. My goal is to be an undefeated national champion. And all of a sudden, it's like, that's gone now. Yeah. Because he lost. I'm very curious to see what his motivation is going into the Penn State duel. Mm -hmm. I'm very intrigued to see who's going to wrestle, if Gabe Arnold's going to make an appearance, if Ben Keeter's going to make an appearance. And I'm also more just curious, who's going to win their matches? Yeah. I have no idea because... I don't think any of us are going to pick an upset here. Against Penn State, I mean, there's maybe not more than two, maybe three uh, matches that I was going to win tonight, I'd imagine. Um, yeah, Penn State's just, they're, they're a powerhouse, they're a wrecking ball, and um, this is not the Iowa team that's going to be able to stop them in their tracks. Um, but after that, it's uh, to the postseason, and we see what we might get out of some Big Ten champions from Iowa and uh, potentially some guys in the national tournament. So it still could be a... Is this the last finish. duel? I thought they played Oklahoma, or wrestled at Oklahoma State. Oh, am I mistaken? Yeah. Okay, yeah. sorry about that. Um, so last, last Big Ten duel? It's back, yeah, Big Ten. <laughs> the last regular season duel that Hawkeye fans will truly care about. <laughs> so They do uh, care about the Ohio, uh, Oklahoma State one because Oklahoma State was the power in the, I don't know if you're familiar with it, in the mid-2000s when Iowa was winning national titles year after year, mm -hmm. Oklahoma State was like one of the, was the Penn State to them. Yeah. So they would go back and forth. But I don't know if they're any good this year. I'm not a wrestling they're person. They're so. pretty good, I think. I mean, yeah, I top. Think, I think they're probably. fifth. Yeah. Um, so they're still a good program. They've definitely maintained their dominance where Oklahoma has not. I mean, I don't know what happened to the Sooner wrestling team, but um, yeah. yeah, Oklahoma State's pr still pretty good. Got a lot of national contenders. The, the um, you know how the women's basketball team played in Kinnick this past fall. The one time the wrestling team did that, they wrestled Oklahoma State, and it was the day, the same day as the um, Iowa played Minnesota, and they were ten and zero, and they like, or it was to get to ten and zero for the first time in program history. So I went to both games or the wrestling match and then the game because it was a 7 p.m. kickoff. They had the wrestling meet at like noon. Mm -hmm. Pretty cool environment. I mean, it was just one of a kind event, just like the the basketball game wasn't Kinnick. So yeah. 
a little bit of history with Oklahoma State. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I was just uh, chatting with one of the women's wrestlers yesterday, and I'm like, I feel like we're still just maybe a couple years away from getting a women's wrestling match at Kinnick Stadium. Probably not going to draw the crowd that the women's basketball team did. But um, well, do you see they they're sanctioning that in 2000 NCAA finally women's 26? yeah wrestling in 26? Is it? Yeah. Yes, that's right. Yeah, um, yeah, that was. Uh, I I don't think that it's like technically official. I think that like okay. the actual vote on it happens next year, like a year from now, pretty much. Um, I don't see why not though. It's yeah, it's kind of assumed that that's going to be the case. That and they're moving steps forward to uh, have it officially sanctioned for a championship in twenty twenty six. The uh, the NCWWC championships are going to be in Cedar Rapids yep. this year, so. You're, we're going to see that team again. Yep, and and I, I wonder if, if Cedar Rapids puts on a good show as a host, I wonder if they'll even keep NCAA Nationals close to home. That'd be cool. Keep that in Iowa, you know, here or probably more so Cedar Rapids than, like, Extreme Arena. They could do it at Carver, honestly, so um, there's a lot of good things ahead for the Hawkeyes. Um, maybe not on the men's basketball court, but uh, <laughs> we do have still a record chase that we're following with Caitlin Clark and... You can follow I and the Hawks with the socials. You've got us on X at I and the Hawks. You've got us on YouTube and Instagram at Iowa's News Now. Uh, you can follow us every step of the way. We're going to continue moving forward doing these weekly basketball shows. And um, you'll probably hear from us with the football team once, uh, once the spring game rolls around. And we've got a little bit more conversation to have there. For the moment, Caitlin Clark keeps chasing history. And you can keep chasing us, following us on I and the Hawks. For Curtis and Mike, I'm Owen. We'll see you again next time.